Let's get into the word. Father, touch our minds that we might understand. Touch our ears that a stranger's voice we will not hearken unto. Only the voice of the Father. Touch our hearts that we will receive. Our hands that we can perform and our feet that we can walk it out. It's in Christ's name we pray. Every saint that agreed said amen. All righty. So, you know, we were in the middle of a series. All right. Uh, studying the order, the priestly order of Melchizedek. 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 All right. Uh, it's a priestly order. And if you know anything about God and the Bible and worship, then there's a priestly order. And it was before the order of the Levites. So most of us understand the Levite priestly order when it was killing the sheep and, and slaying the animals and draining the blood and all of that. OK, before them was a priestly order called the order of Melchizedek. So before Moses, there was already um, a line of those people that served God and serve the people. Now, the priestly order of Melchizedek meant that if you were the high priest in that order, you were king, prophet, and priest, all in one. So eventually, those three offices started becoming divided amongst other leaders in Israel. That's where you got the Levites. Make sense? Then it was priests. Then you have like a king, like King David. Okay. Then you have a prophet like Jeremiah. Okay. So eventually, all those offices got divided amongst three. But when Christ came, he said, I'm reconciling all of those offices back to one person, Amen. him being perfect. So that's what we've been studying all year because the order of Melchizedek is actually who you're supposed to be as a Christian. Amen. You're supposed to be somebody that lives like a prophet, a king, and a priest because that's who Christ is, prophet, king, and priest. Amen. So you're supposed to be living and having all of that running on the inside of you. That's a tall order, okay? But most of us understand the prophet part, you know, ooh, they can tell me my future, <laughs> all right? Most of us understand the priestly part, they do a lot of praying, you know? Uh, and the king part, we love, all right? Because they have all the rules and authority and the power. So, but when it comes to understanding how to serve God as a priest, if we don't have to offer lambs and sheep and goats, like what do we do? Like, I be thinking we supposed to sing songs, and I be thinking we supposed to pray, but that don't seem like it's sufficient in comparison to what people used to do. Like, I can go out, smoke a ton of weed, drink a ton of liquor, have a ton of sex, and then come back and be like, hallelujah, and then this work. Even though we preach that, yeah, he still love you, it's fine. You know you feel on the inside. I don't know if this is exactly right. <laughs> And nobody wants to tell you it ain't because we don't want to discourage you. We hope that eventually you'll, you'll, you'll catch the memo, you know, like maybe I should put, put that down for a second and see what the Lord talking about, you know. You know? <laughs> we hoping you'd, you'd come around, but you could feel on the inside that living by my own standard and then singing some songs and saying a couple of prayers just doesn't seem like a sufficient way to live like Christ who died on a cross. Amen. Like he was obedient to the point of bloodshed. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, which is what we've been studying, that we haven't even resisted sin to the point of bloodshed. You ain't never been like, man, I ain't gonna smoke that weed. You're gonna have, you have to cut my hand off before I smoke that weed. No, you won't. Give me that weed. I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> Say less. Say less. You know, none of us has resisted sin to the point of bloodshed. But Christ, who had done nothing wrong, just tried to help everybody, was offered up on a cross with all the bloodshed 
to the point of death. And he was like, if this is what God wants, that's what I'm going to do. We were like, if that's what God wants, have we, have we examined all the other possibilities first? Has, have we examined them all? There's some other, you know, you know, I don't hear you say nothing. Oh, I don't hear nothing. I better say I'm going to go with this, <laughs> you know. And we try to rush into it. But we can tell on the inside that something is not right. Amen. So understanding how we're supposed to live as a priest. You know, if I'm not going to sacrifice the sheep and the lamb and the goats, what am I supposed to do with myself? Go to church all the time? That don't even seem enough. It don't, it, it, it seems something ain't adding up. That's what we've been studying, how we're supposed to live. Brother Stefan's dance was wonderful in that it showed him with a backpack. And Hebrews talks about when we're running this race as priests with God, we're supposed to take and lay down every weight and every sin. And it says the weights, they weigh us down. Duh, it's called weights, all right? <laughs> and the sin that traps us. So as believers, when we're going to be a priest, we have to lay down the things that weigh us down, the things that slow us down. Like you're doing well, but you're going to run out of energy. Anybody ever been there before? You was going to church for a while, and then, uh, you know, and you were doing good for a while, and then, uh, you know, you just got tired. You got overwhelmed. You things got complicated. You got depressed. Your situations got harder. The things started happening in your life and your family. And, and you just you, you just stopped. Yeah. In essence, while you were running the race of life, you were carrying things that made your energy become less effective. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to carry so much. Now, remember, Christianity, in order to get to the pearly white gates, to get to heaven and to not go to hell, it's about one thing, enduring to the end. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews that those who endure receive the reward. Now you realize, so all I got to do is make it to the end? Yes. Now if I told you, I'll give you a million dollars at the end of this race, you don't have to be the fastest, you don't have to be the strongest, you ain't even got to get there first, but you do have to endure. What would that let you know about this race? It's going to be hard at, like what y'all going to be throwing javelins at me or something? It's going to be some, some mountains or something? Yep. It's going to be some poisonous animals? Probably. It's going to be some droughts? Yep. So it's going to be a hard race. Very hard. Life is hard. No matter how you spin it, it's hard. It's hard when you're young. It's hard when you're old. It's just hard. Teens got hard lives. Babies got hard lives. The little teeth coming in, they're crying like crazy. The old people got hard lives. The knees hurt, the back hurt. They got to go to the doctor. Life is hard. There's not one season of your life that is not challenging. I got I to gotta remind you of this because y'all be looking at, why am I going to church? What are you going to fix? Life is hard. It ain't about fixing the life. It's about you letting go of some weights. You could probably run a little bit longer and endure some of these hardships a little bit better if you would let go of some of the things that you always worrying about that you ain't got no business worrying about. You're trying to carry stuff so you can have something in case. Let me put this on my back in case this go wrong. Let me carry this in case this don't work. Let me keep that number in case I don't get married. Let me do this in case. And all of these in cases that you're carrying with you slow you down. I'm already preaching. This is a review, but I'm already preaching. Okay? It slows you down. So now when you're just trying to do basic life, you can't understand why you're overwhelmed with depression, sadness, grief. Why you just feel overwhelmed in general. It's because you are carrying things that you think you need 
And the father is saying, I'll take care of all you need. You just worry about running. You just worry about running. That's all you got to do. You just pick one foot up, put one foot down. That's it. But what about I'll take care of it? But what about I'll take care of it? What about I'll take care of it? But I might need, I will be there. Don't you worry when you need it. This is your faith. How many believers do I have? Make some noise. This is what you say you believe. I say and I proclaim as a Christian that I believe that the Father will take care of me. But how much exhaustion do we feel in trying to take care of ourselves? Hello, somebody. I, 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 I'm going to show you some more, okay? So we've been studying the order of Melchizedek and how we're supposed to run as a priest the way Christ ran. And he pretty much ended up on a cross. And then he tells us to take up our cross. And then he died on that cross. And according to the resurrection message, he was buried in a tomb. Uh, for three days, he got up. Now, more than likely, he got up immediately, okay? Not at the end of three days, okay? And I'm going to prove to you why I believe that is so, okay? But more than likely, he got up, he died, was buried, got up. He wasn't waiting for three days to get up. He was already up. Who knows what he was doing? Nobody could see. <laughs> when they finally came to his tomb, he was not there. So he was out doing some stuff and decided not to wait on us to... Tell us where he was going. Uh, scriptures have it that he probably went to Hades. Went to hell. Preached the gospel to those who are resting in Abraham's bosom. All right? Told them, hey, your faith has been accounted to you as righteousness. Let's go. But I did all this dirt. Yeah. But see that time that you really believed and you endured to the end? That counts. Let's go. That counts. That counts. That was so small. It counts. Let's go. That's the, that's the way that the story re reads, okay? But so I want to look at Jesus rising from the dead, raising from the dead. And while we think it is very awesome, that, oh, look, he gets to live again. And theologically, it points to the idea, since he rose from the dead, when we die, what will happen? We, as believers, will rise from the dead. When you die, you will go to heaven, your soul, your spirit, to heaven. Think of that like camp, like base camp. I'm going to show you why in a minute. All right? You was fighting a war, and then you had to return back to base camp. Okay? Make sense? Now, your, your soul, your spirit goes to heaven. When all is said and done and everything that God wants to accomplish from A to B by the end of this book, all right, he's going to then take you, your soul, if, you're, if you've already passed, and put your soul back in your resurrected body and cause your body to get up out of the grave, put you back in that, and then create earth and heaven again with you in it without no pain, without no death, without no sin. Eternity is not supposed to be spent floating around on a cloud somewhere. It's just base camp for when we finish. And the Bible says that he makes all heaven and earth new. I know this may be true to some of you, and it may be new to others, because as Christians, sometimes the only thing we preach is heaven. And so, of course, naturally, you would long to not to be back in your body. Like, I like my body. Like, I like eating. I like going swimming. I like skating. I like, you know, sun. I like golfing. I like all these things. And I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to be bored. 
just floating around you. Cloud. Cloud. Another cloud. When is this over? Never. Oh, did I really win? <laughs> what are they doing down there in hell? Burning? Okay, well, this is definitely better than that, but is it better? No, that's not the end of the story. This is why most Christians have a hard time trying to live for Christ because all they know is some reality that is so far from what they actually know as real. But doesn't it seem like a very smart God that if he's going to birth you anew, you become born again, that he's going to put you in a situation that best fits you, that best suits you perfectly forever and ever? Don't you want to be in perfect peace forever and ever? Don't you feel like, I wish I could be in perfect health all the time. I wish I could have perfect joy all the time. I wish I could have perfect fun all the time. You know why you want that? Because you were created to have it. You want it, you desire something better than the drama, better than the wars, better than all the arguing, better than all the famine, better than all the shortage. You desire something better. Where did you get that from? Some of y'all got great hearts. You want to make people's lives better. You get in most of your trouble because you're trying to help somebody. But your young self, always trying to help somebody, and now they do you down bad, and that's how you get in more trouble. But where do you think you got that from? It's a revelation that your heart has been created for something better. Hello? It's just not here yet. But you as believers, let me hear the believers make some noise. You as believers profess that you believe that better is coming and that God has promised it to you. Hello? So you start running your race going, no, he promised me best. Not better, best. He promised me best. Well, you want to do this? Nah, I got something better on my. Anybody ever knew there's about to eat a really good meal? And then somebody offer you like some slop. People, like, I ain't eating that. I'm trying to save the space for what I really want. You don't, y'all, y'all never, y'all, I'm, the, I'm the only greedy person out here. You, you would say, I'm a wait. I'm a wait. Because I got a reward coming. I got that pie coming. I got that cake coming. Oh, mm, I ain't ruining my appetite on that. I don't want to mess up a taste buzz. That's how you're supposed to run the race. With the same thing in mind. Hebrews 12, 2. Let's go there. Hebrews 12, chapter 2. Hebrews is toward the end of the Bible. It's toward the back. Um, toward the back. Uh, Acts, Hebrews, after the Mark, Matthew, James, John, after them. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling y'all, but I, I lost my tab and now I can't find mine. <laughs> there we go. I see I found it. Don't worry about it. Okay, I'm still a Christian. All right. So <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand throne of God. Now, there are biblical accounts, all right, of martyrs who saw God, people that died for, the, for their faith, saw Jesus sitting at the right hand side of God. There's prophecies 4,000 years old that this son of man would sit at the right-hand side of God himself. The right-hand side means equal. Because when you a king, don't nobody sit beside you. Everybody, little, little, let's take fall back a little bit. Give me some space, okay? You ain't even on my level yet. You know, everybody's, the throne sit by itself. And all the movies, don't we see the throne sit by itself? 
the king. Everybody bow down. That is it. So if you get to sit, have a seat at the right hand of God, that means you're real close and y'all the same. Same authority. Same power. What you say, what he say, is same. It's equal. All right? That's huge. Okay? So Christ was known once he died and was raised from the dead that he ascended. The heavens parted. People could see that he ascended right up to heaven. And then the scripture says, and now he sits equal to God in heaven. Now, this last verse, because we talked about this verse all, all week for two weeks now, right? I want to look at, at the right-hand throne of God. This was prophesied by David thousands upon thousands of years before this scripture was written. All right? Now, one of the plots that Jesus performed, what I thought was amazing, is when the Sadducees and Pharisees, people that didn't believe that Jesus was actually God and was a real king, like he was going to be king, priest, and prophet, he was like, y'all ain't go, you ain't going to be no king, all right? We know you was born of Mary. You ain't God and you ain't king. And when they argued this, Jesus used David's uh, prophecy because the Jews loved David. He was their best king, best king they ever had. And God told David that the next king that will sit on the throne will rule forever and it will be on your lineage. It'll be one of your great, 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 So it's going to come from you, from your family and them. Right. This is a big deal. So when Jesus shows up, they traced his baby, his mamas and his daddies and everybody. He was in the, the lineage of David. He's he's related to King David. So that checks off. But it's this other part, this whole other situation about his divinity. And Christ was trying to say, I am the Messiah. I'm that coming king that everybody prophesied about. And the Jews were like, no, you're not He's like, yes, I am. No, you're not. And so then Jesus says, well, if you think, he said, they say, you're not because we know that you were born from Mary. We know who your mama is. So you can't be divine. Then Jesus points them to a prophecy that David, their best king, gave. David said that I saw the Lord say to my Lord, sit at my right hand. David said, I saw Jesus say to God, I say God, I saw God say to Jesus, sit at my right hand. Now, what blew their mind is when the Pharisees heard this, they were like, Yeah. He said, Yeah, but if David called him Lord, if David called Jesus Lord, and Jesus, the Messiah, comes after David, if the Messiah is a great grand of David, then shouldn't D Jesus be calling David Lord, yeah. but David called Jesus Lord. He said, so how do you explain that? How, if, if, if the Messiah can't be born of Mary, then how do you explain the fact that David called him Lord? They were like, huh? <laughs> in the scripture, what he's saying in essence is, in the scripture, I've been trying to prove to y'all the whole time that the son of man, was going to be born in flesh. And the king that you're waiting for was going to be born in flesh. And your best king told you. And you believe everything he said. And he told you, he showed it right there. I saw my Lord say to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Is this making any sense? Now this, this stumped them. And I'm going to show you why it stumped them. And I think, I've, I, hope I, I hope I cleared it up, cleared it up. It's because... If Jesus is a descendant of David, then David shouldn't be calling him Lord. 
But since David is calling him Lord, then it is because he is a descendant of the son of man and the son of God. This was the missing piece, okay? When Jesus told the Sadducees and Pharisees that, they just walked off. You know what? You think you're so smart. I'm going to come back later. And the Bible records they had no response. If they, somebody just said something that made them go, huh. Huh. He, David did call him God. And he was, huh. That's what it is, what the scriptures say. That can't be right. Let me go get my Bible. Uh, later, when Jesus died and, were, and rose from the dead, fast forward, he was crucified, he died, he rose from the dead. Then Peter comes to the same Jews, the same Jews, and was like, um, that Jesus that you crucified, yeah, he was the real Messiah. Because David saw him say, I saw my Lord say to my Lord, sit on my right hand. So David's like, so Peter's beginning to tell them, that's the Lord. When they hear this, now that Jesus has ascended, and they look back over all the stuff that Jesus had, y'all better wake up in this house. Hello, somebody. They look back over all the miracles. Peter says, look at all the miracles he's been doing. Look at all the blind eyes he's been opening up. Look at all the stuff you've been seeing, just multitudes of people healed. Look at all the stuff he's been doing. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Immediately, their hearts were pricked. And they began to cry out, what can I do to be saved? It's like when you first told me, I, didn't, I knew it was something about what you said, but I hadn't really understood it until I saw y'all don't want to help me preach today. There's some parts about you that you've been preached to before. Your mama's church done told you, your granddaddy's church done told you, your great-grandmama done told you, but it ain't until you had to live it do you start recognizing, oh, everything you've been saying has been right. I need a change in my heart. I'm after that change today. I want to say something today that makes you go, you know what? I'm going to start going to church. I am. I'm going to start doing it. And the people that go to church, you know what? I'm going to stop cutting up. I'm going to stop cutting up in church. I'm going to stop cutting up. <laughs> My goal is that you will have an encounter with Christ today that will make you want to change and do it. I believe it can happen. It happened to me. It can happen to you. That somehow a weight that you've been carrying, you realize, you know what? I'm going to stop worrying about that. And I'm going to trust that God loves me. He will be there for me. He will lead me, guide me, and direct me. And that's some sin that you feel like you keep getting stuck in. And you be like, you know what? I'm going to shake that thing off like Stephon's dance. Get that off of me. And I'm just going to walk on without that. I'm going to walk on without that. Why is this important? Why do I want that? Why do I want you to be changed in your heart? I already proved to you that life is hard no matter what. I didn't say that life was going to be easy when you got saved. It's hard before you get saved. It's hard after you get saved. <laughs> Somebody sold you a wolf ticket and made you think that when you got saved, everything was going to be great. Then you came to church, you was like, it is not great. <laughs> what were they talking about? <laughs> it seemed like when I got saved, things got worse. <laughs> what is that about? Right? So I, why would I care? Why would I care when life is going to be hard anyway? Why would I want you to change your heart to do better for God, to live stronger for God? It's in the crucifixion story. Okay? It's in the crucifixion story. Let's go, because this verse in Hebrews and what Jesus quoted in the Gospels comes from uh, David in the book of Psalms. Let's go there. 
David said this from a vision he had years and years and years and years and years before Jesus even hit the scene. This is, uh, we're going to go to Psalms chapter 110. Psalms in the middle of the Bible, smack dab in the middle. If you got an app, it's in the Old Testament. Click Old Testament first, then Psalms. Chapter 110, there are a lot of chapters. So Messiah, the Christ, when he showed up, was preaching and referencing David, the great king, the king of Israel, all right? Israel, those who lived in the city of Jerusalem. Hello? Jerusalem. Keep that in your head. I'm coming back to that, okay? All right? So David said in chapter 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, what? Sit at my right hand. Now watch this next line. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Let's skip on down to verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of who? Say it hard now. Melchizedek. All right? All right? So you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This is David, the king of all kings that Israel loves, saying, I see my Lord sitting at the right-hand side of my Lord Yahweh. And God is saying he's going to make him a priest forever. And the king, he's going to be king, prophet, and priest forever. No one's going to take him off his throne. Now, this is not just a heavenly throne. What good is a king if you don't have a nation? Nobody a king of, of, of just random ethereal material. You know, just, I'm a king of air. <laughs> no, you a king on the earth with people and nations and lands and generations and babies. Hello? That's, that's kingship. Yes? He said, I'm going to make you a king and a priest forever. Now, you see this line here? In verse 5, it says, the Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. Let's stop there. You can keep going. It says some of the same stuff. He's going to kill people and execute people and cut off people's heads and everybody that was against him. It's pretty much how the rest of that chapter ends. All right. So <laughs> it's this phrase, till I make your enemies your footstool. This ascension to heaven that we see a part of the resurrection of Christ. He, uh, he rose from the dead and he ascended and he sat on the right hand side of God. For one reason, I want you to stay here until I make all of your enemies your footstool. Now, in our day and age, we don't really under, we only know a footstool means something to rest and recline on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, hey, come on, give me that ottoman, put that on my foot. Thank you. Right? But back in ancient times, a footstool wasn't necessarily plush. It was something that you used to step up and take your seat. It'll preach if you let it. It'll preach if you let it. I'm going to use, I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. I'm going to use the enemy to elevate you onto your throne. Y'all don't want to preach. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. Now, you're supposed to be after the same order of Melchizedek. Hello? So if Jesus get a, a footstool, then guess what you get? You get a foot. You get a footstool. You get a footstool. You all get a footstool. What does that mean? That means I'm going to take your enemies. Am I going to utterly destroy them? Not yet. 
I want you to wait here until I make your enemies the thing that you use to rise onto your, your holy place. Y'all don't want it. I'm going to take what has been fighting against you, and I'm going to use it to elevate you to your throne. Y'all don't want to play that. I can't get rid of your enemies right now because I'm using them to raise you up. Oh, y'all don't want it. I know you're mad that you couldn't stop last week. I know you're mad that you couldn't change last month. I know you're mad that that situation went down. I know you've been struggling for a long time, and you're trying to figure out why, Lord, why. He said, I'm just wait for a second. I'm using your enemy. Come on, somebody. I'm using that depression. I'm using that oppression. I'm using that sadness. I'm using that loneliness. I'm using that pain. I am using it. It's going to help elevate you. It's going to help elevate you. It's going to help elevate you to your rightful position. I'm almost done. I'm sorry to get you out quick. As believers, we want God to remove everything that causes us discomfort. Things that are outside of us. And can you please remove the stuff in me? I don't even want to be like this. Help me help you, Lord. <laughs> help me help you. I don't even want to be mean like this. I don't want to be thinking like this. I don't want to be doing some of this. If you could just help me with me. And he's slowly saying, just wait for a second. I'm using your enemies, the enemies outside of you and the enemies of your soul to elevate you. And I know you're going, well, how can you use the down bad stuff in me to elevate me? It seems like we got to eradicate the down bad stuff. He said, yeah, but it's something about that down bad stuff that's on the inside of you that starts making you get sick and tired of you. Come on, somebody. You don't really get sick and tired of you until all that down bad really starts showing up. You Like, why do I keep saying that? And why do I keep doing that? And why do I find myself feeling that again? I'm so tired of me. 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 As long as it was manageable, you remain unchanged. As long as you felt you could handle you, you remain unchanged. But oh, when you get that thing, you know that thing, that one thing that you can't move, that one thing in you that you can't change, that one thing that you can't make yourself feel better about, you can't wrap your mind around, you can't get it out of you, you want it out of you, say, I can't even do it for myself. See? See how he, see how we take your enemies? That's on the inside of you. And he lets them mount up. You think, why are you letting them mount up? Why are you trying to do this to me? I'm having all kind of crazy thoughts. I think I want to kill myself. Why are you letting them mount up like this? I think I want to give up. I think I want to lose it all. I think I'm nobody understand me. I think I ain't got nobody to talk to. I think I'm about here by myself. I feel like I'm losing my mind. God, if you're real, why are you letting them mount up? And just when it gets to the right height, just when it gets to the right height, then he says, step on up, baby. Step on up, baby. I prepared a place for you in the face of your enemy. I ain't talking to everybody. Some of y'all had easy lives. 
I, some of y'all ain't really had no problems. You understand? You ain't really had no real life experiences. There's some young people that have some real life experiences. And I know the old people have. Where this thing mounts up on the inside. And you just wish God would remove it. Because you feel like you're going to become undone. And he's like, that's, that's just where I need you to be. I need that Satan. I need that enemy that's on the inside of you to, to keep mounting up. Because the harder they press against you, the higher I'm elevating you. All you got to do is endure. Come on, somebody. All you got to do is make it to the end, baby. The harder they press against you, the more I am elevating you. The greater your reward. The greater your peace. The greater your rejoicing. Hello. Just, just endure. I know you're at your breaking point. But have faith and endure. I, I, know, I know you want to undo it all, but you hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold Hold it. That's why you come to church. Because you done held that thing all week. Ah! Okay, I can, I can take a break for a second. You come to church, you're supposed to lay it all down. Lay it all down. What you, I'm laying it all down. You could be dancing and singing. Where's that? What's your problem at right there? If I got to take it, I'll take it home. But if I ain't got to take it, it's going to stay right there. Y'all don't know how to get y'all blessings. What happened? I went to church. You was overwhelmed? Yeah, but I went to church. I feel better now. Y'all don't even want to say that to folk. Because you think that's reality. Well, you, you, I, I went to church. I felt better. I did. The next day, okay, I feel worse. I feel, I feel bad again. Does that mean church didn't work? No. It means that you're supposed to go more than once. If you found something that worked one time, don't you keep doing it? Yeah, that's how you get involved in sin in the first place. <laughs> I'm telling you, be extreme about God. Do you understand? It be extreme about something good for you. Be extreme about something healthy. You know, you don't you don't went over to Easter Blip for a booty call. I'm just trying to get you to come to Easter Blip right here, right? For something that make you feel good. I'm gonna sip my tea on now, y'all. You go for everything else. Y'all wanna go to therapists, which I agree because I have a therapist. You wanna go for the, the massages and the spa daycares, get your nails done, your cuticles, man, but I gotta get my pedicure, man, self care, hashtag, man. But the thing that does it on the inside, that I know you feel right now, you be like, God, oh my God, you do feel good. Why am I so stupid? Why don't I do this often? <laughs> I should do this, okay, from now on I'm gonna do this often. Exactly. I told you that's what I wanted. I wasn't even trying to sneak it on you. I told you that's exactly what I wanted. That feeling you feel right there, that change you starting to feel, you better celebrate. I'm starting to feel it, Pastor. I didn't believe you when you said it, but I'm starting to feel, you know what? I do love Jesus. And you know what? I think my life would be a little bit easier with him than without him. I need more opportunity to lay my burdens down. You're supposed to come to church to lay the burden down. Like, this is my issue. Pastor, what's up? This is my issue. Huh? You got a word on, on there? Right there. This one. And I'm supposed to go, yes. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, yes. What you got? Give it to me. Let's take a look. And while we're examining what you do next, you have a moment 
of not dealing with it on your own. In this very moment, you feel that everything you've been carrying, that somehow you're not carrying it alone. At this moment, you feel that God has somehow been watching you all week, been watching you all month, been seeing your anxiety and what you're worried about. He said, come on, baby, let me carry it for just a minute. The preacher going to preach. Why don't you just let me hold it for you while she preaching? That's why people shout. That's why we dance. We trying to make a commitment. You pastor, you gonna hold this? You gonna hold it while I just just me and God? I'll be like, yes, give it to me. Come on, I can do this. I, I carry this kind of stuff all the time. Come on, lay it down. I got you. Mm, clap. Hey, hey. And you can you can smile, you can laugh, you can just have a moment without everybody stressing you out. Everybody making demands and everybody pushing you in a certain direction. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. Everybody pushing you to go a certain way. Everybody, now you know whatever God is saying, that's the good way I'm supposed to go. I don't know about the rest of these ninjas. I don't know what they be wanting from me. But this way I can, I can be sure of is a good way. Because at the end of the day, all we really want is peace. At the end of the day, all we ever crave is peace. We crave it so much, we'll try to find it in bad ways. I just want peace. I want no conflict. I want no drama. I want no tension. I want no aggravation. I just want peace. Not necessarily calm. I just want everything to have peace. Now, if I have peace, I have peace very happily, okay? I'm a loud peacer, okay? I make a lot of noise, I like to laugh. You know I have peace when I'm laughing, okay? I laugh a lot, all right? I'm not a calm person, so my peace could be excited, but it's peace. And all we ever want is peace. What if I told you that the reason Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand was so that he could champion peace for you? Rising from the dead would just give you heaven. Ascending and sitting on the right-hand side of God means he's championing peace for you. I can prove it in the book of Joshua. <laughs> All the saints that's been here for the week, Joshua, we're going back to Joshua. Because we've been preaching that we are Joshua's generation. The Moses generation is declining. Moses' generation, Moses pointed to where they're supposed to go. Let's cross over this Jordan. There's two crossings, the Red Sea, and the children of Israel also had to cross the Jordan. Those are two different bodies of water. With Moses, they crossed the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was on their back. Remember that? When they got to the Jordan, there was no Pharaoh, but they had to cross over in order to fight the giants, big, tall, mammoth, demon-filled giants, in order to take the land that God commanded them to take. Okay? Make sense? When Moses and his crew came to the same Jordan when they went to spy out the land and realized there was giants they was like we ain't going over there y'all crazy we don't even know how to fight we ain't got no weapons God wants us to go over there that's a death sentence ain't nobody going over there and they all resisted going except for Joshua and Caleb now Joshua and Moses was like this because every time Moses was in the tabernacle talking to God guess where Joshua was in the tabernacle. Moses would leave the church, the tabernacle, and go lead and come back and lowly. Joshua stayed in there, quiet, 
in the presence of God. Like he got in, he was like, well, I don't want to mess up because if I leave, who, how they gonna, I don't even know they're going to let me back in. So I'm just going to stay right here. And he just stayed there in the presence of God. So every time Moses went in, Joshua was there. He understood God even though God wasn't talking to him. He was in the presence of God even though God wasn't directing him. Y'all don't want to, I don't know what God is saying. It don't even matter. Hello, somebody. Can you be in his presence? I don't know what God want me to do. He maybe he ain't talking to you. Hello, somebody. But can you be in his presence? Because that's going to count for something. Not today, but tomorrow. Some of us get so bent out of shape because we don't know what God is saying right now, right now. What is he saying? What do you want me to do? Okay, if, he ain't, if you don't hear nothing, hush. You in his presence. It's going to all work out when it's your turn later. Later. It ain't your turn right now. It's going to be your turn later. Hello, somebody. So, of course, the children of Israel didn't want to go. So God commanded they're going to stay in the wilderness. You know the story. And they had to all stay in the wilderness. They couldn't even cross over to the promised land. They had stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. That was a three-day journey, but they stayed there for 40 years. And so everybody that didn't want to go died. And the only people left was Joshua, Caleb, and the new babies. So as the babies was growing up, Joshua and Caleb were teaching them how to fight. So there were soldiers being grown and raised while the older generation was dying. Moses' crew crossed the Red Sea, which is challenging and scary, because they had no choice. Joshua was raising people that could choose. Y'all want to be here with Moses and them? Or you want to cross over and fight some giants? What you want to do? What you want to do? Everybody want to cross over, little baby. I want to cross over. All right, hold this. Now learn. And for years, 40 years, a whole new generation was learning how to fight when they cross over. 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 Well, all those that were scared, that couldn't trust God, that didn't know him well enough to know that he wasn't trying to kill you. Hello? They didn't want to believe and wanted to self-preserve. That couldn't really understand what he was doing. And because they couldn't understand, they didn't want to go. Those people died in the wilderness. Hello, somebody. So at Renew, we say we are a Joshua generation. We're those that are crossing over not because we have to, because we're being chased by sin, being chased by Pharaoh. We're doing these things because we want to. Hello, somebody. I ain't sleeping around because I have to. I ain't sleeping around because I want to. There's a difference. Hello, somebody. You, you doing this stuff because you got to. Hello, somebody. I ain't got to do none of that. I'm doing it because I want to. Hello? This makes the gospel seem more real, doesn't it? When Jesus says, well, your sins are forgiven. You don't have to worry about it. Okay, if I just say, Lord, forgive my sins, then my sins are forgiven. Yes, but then after that, now I don't sin, not because I have to. Because if you tell me, if you sin every time you sin, God will forgive you, what you think I'm going to do? Every time you sin, you just say, Lord, forgive you, forgive me, he'll forgive you, and he'll wash it all away. You be like, that sounds cool. And then the sin starts causing you problems. And you be like, I don't think this is a good method. Shouldn't you tell me not to do this? Because even though you're not punishing me, it don't feel good on my insides. Even though I ain't went to jail yet, it don't feel, I'm always scared that I'm about to go. I'm always afraid something about to happen. I'm always, it don't, and then sometimes, 
this generation after Christ is those that choose not because of the law. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, not thou shalt not, but because you actually want to. Now, why would anybody want to do that? Let's keep reading. I told you Joshua, right? Go to Joshua chapter 10. Now, Joshua has led these newfound, new raised warriors. Now, these people was raised to fight. They weren't like Moses' crew that were slaves and escaped Egypt. They was raised guns blazing like Stephon's there. They were like, this, I was raised to fight. Had to fight all my life. They was raised for this battle. Right? He crossed them over. Everybody crosses over. Their first stop is Jericho. You know Jericho's walls fell down. Right? Now, at the Battle of Jericho, right before, uh, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, Joshua runs into a man with his sword drawn in chapter 5. All right, and we're going to look at chapter 10, but I'm just, for time's sake, just telling you the story. Read it for yourself, all right? In Joshua chapter 5, right before Joshua goes to fight in Jericho, a man with his sword drawn approaches him. I mean, I, he ain't just walking. He, so, if somebody came at you like, you would think you're going to shoot me. <laughs> and so Joshua asked, are you here to, to kill me? Or are you here to help us fight the enemy? Flat out. He's like, you here for us? Or you feel, you're here for them? What? You got your sword drawn. Like, what? For me or for you? What? What's, what's going on? The man says, no. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. That's No. I said, are you, are you for me or are you for them? No, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. In essence, what we looked at is that Jesus, because this is Christ himself, because later when he says that, Joshua falls on his face, starts worshiping. The man tells him, take off his shoes. And anytime somebody falls and starts worshiping and that being don't say, get up, that's the Lord. This is a Christophany. Biblically, there are times where Jesus showed up in human form before he was born. Okay, those are called theologically Christophanies. So this huge man with his sword drawn approached him. Joshua said, you for us or for them? He said, no. <laughs> In essence, neither of you. I am a commander for the Lord's army. Joshua's like, whoa. <laughs> he took off his shoes, laid down, started worshiping, and then he got up. This commander was Christ himself before he was born. And he fought with Joshua in Jericho. He's the one that gave Joshua and the children of Israel the instructions to march around the wall. He fought and they took Jericho. Then they took Ai. Then they took Gibeon. They took a lot of places, a couple of more places after that. Now, that brings us to chapter 10. So when they first crossed over, they had to fight Jericho, a fortified city with walls. You knock down them walls, you get through that, you can go to the rest, all right? On their approach to the rest, they got a little slack from some smaller countries, knocked them out easy peasy. Then all of a sudden, five kings. Let's look at Joshua chapter 10. Verse 5 says, there were five kings, and we're almost done. I'm going to do Joshua, and then we get to go. All right? Joshua chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, verse 5, therefore the five kings of the Amorites. All right? The word Amorites means the people on the west. What side? Okay, that was lame. Sorry. I couldn't resist. I could swats. I couldn't resist. 
the Amorites, the five, therefore the five kings of the Amorites, that means all the countries to the west of them, all right? The king of Jerusalem, what? Think of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up and all their armies and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. Now, Gibeon was a place that tricked Joshua and the children of Israel. They told him, we come from a far country, please don't hurt us. But really, they came from right around the corner and they were next on the chopping block. But they made a covenant with Israel and God allowed it. So they spared them and then Israel found out they was lying. Y'all ain't from a far away. Y'all is right here. You knew you was next. Then you tricked us. He says, okay, y'all gonna be servants. And that's pretty much what happened. All right, so this is Gibeon. So Israel has just taken this country of Gibeon, all right? So they run it. Now Gibeon is big, way bigger than Israel at this point. One of the biggest. And they were so scared when they heard that the children of Israel had crossed over and how they took Jericho and Ai, that they made this agreement, okay? Uh, so now when these five kings further west find out that the children of Israel, them wild ones out in the wilderness, done crossed over, and they taking names, right? They get upset. They're, they're like, we all need to band together, all five of us. It's one mighty force, and go and fight them at Gibeon. Israel isn't there. They're at camp. They're at base camp. They came, conquered, left. You belong to us, all right? Let's move on, all right? That was it. Now they're at base camp. The five kings come up, and like, what are you doing here? We come to fight. One of the kings is the king of what? The king of who? How many people ever knew that Jerusalem existed before Israel? It did. Before the nation of Israel actually had Jerusalem, it belonged to somebody else. This king right here, the king of Jerusalem. Hello? So these five kings are now leading with the king of Jerusalem, are now leading an assault against the children of Israel. You already know who's going to win, right? Let's fast forward to that. Okay? What I want to highlight as you go down to chapter 12 of chapter 10. Go down to chapter 12. I mean, chapter 10, verse 12. Same chapter. Go down to verse 12. I used it earlier. So you see that Jerusalem is one of the kings. The word Jerusalem means city of peace. So the king of the city of peace has taken other kings and wants to fight the commander of the Lord. Now, if you think you can be the king of peace and not have no problems with God, you got another thing coming. Hello, somebody. Oh, so you're the king of the city of peace? Oh, no, 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 no. That's me. No, no, no. It ain't you. You need to be king of the Babylon, the Baal or something, but you can't be the king of the city of peace. That's my title. That's my land. I'm taking it. I'm the king of peace. Why? Because everybody wants peace. Everybody wants to be free of conflict, emotional strife, arguments, pain, and suffering. And so God is having a showdown saying, I'm going to be the king of peace, not you. Let's look down. Let's go. Y'all don't want to. Y'all don't want to. I'm almost done. I told you you're almost done. You can at least hype it up a little bit. This is getting good. 
Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered them up from the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, are we there? I told you go to 10, 12. Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? We studied that book this year. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord, look at this line, fought for who? Israel. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Just a minute ago, the last time we saw Joshua, the commander of the Lord said, I ain't fighting for you or your enemy. I'm fighting for the Lord. That's it. It's what he wants, not what y'all want. By the time we get to chapter 10, the commander says, I'm going to fight for Israel. Don't you want to know what happened? Y'all don't, y'all. How, how'd you go from just worrying about yourself? Hello, somebody. How'd you go from just fight? See, y'all don't want to play fair today. See, we've been, we've been just now wrestling with the idea that the Lord fights for himself. And I'm starting to accept the idea that it ain't about me. It's about God. He fights for himself. We just from weeks now have wrapped our mind around how God fights for himself. I'm taking everything personal. It ain't about me. I surrender to you. You do what you want. And just when we wrap our minds around that, he come up and say, but I fight for you. You're going to fight for me? I was just saying, have it your way. But I'm going to fight for you. Don't you want to know how this happened? Yeah. Let's look. <laughs> this fight is before they meet the king of Jerusalem. What has happened here is that when Jesus, when the commander was using Joshua to fight this nation, all right, that in all the king, when the kings came, this is, this is right before they were fighting the kings, okay? Yeah, is that the part I'm at? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is that king of Jerusalem fight, okay? So when they start fighting, Joshua and Israel charges against the king of Jerusalem and the other kings, the five kings. They're fighting. It's a heated battle. You got to go to the Apocrypha to find out the details in the book of Jasher, okay? But the book of Jasher, part of the Apocrypha books, ask me some questions about that later, all right? You read that and you find that the story is even more intri intriguing because what happens when they're fighting, they're I mean, Jerusalem is, ta Israel is taking names. They're knocking out people, chasing people. It's going good. And then all of a sudden, they start running. And, 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 and now we ain't fighting. Y'all just running. And everybody's running. And all the nation, the army is scattering. But God didn't want them to scatter. He wanted to destroy them. So they start running. So now they're running up the mountains and scattering all off, and the children of Israel is chasing them. And we ain't even a real fight. Now I'm just running after you, okay? I wanted to fight you. Now you got me chasing you. This ain't even a real fight. So God rains down hail and kills more people with his hail than the Israelites actually killed with fighting. Just hail on them. Get knocked out, man. So they're out. People are dying left and right now. Now the children of Israel is like, God has got him. Oh, 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 he, one, two, three, that way more than what we did. <laughs> way more. But they're still not dead. So the Israel's like, okay, God is laying down the hell. We in there. Let's go. Go get the rest. And so they keep fighting. They go after him. And while they're fighting to do their part, it's getting dark. It's getting dark. Now, some fights, 
You got to deal with that day. Y'all don't want to play. Some fights you can't wait till tomorrow because tomorrow is going to bring, they might mount up against you tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm saying? You might plot something new tomorrow. I got to handle this today. This is what this scripture is where the prophecy of the Lord's day comes from. So Joshua sees that God wants them destroyed. He knows he's fighting for God. He's been fighting for God. He loses his strength. They can't quite catch him. The enemy's getting away. God steps in, throws down the hail. They come back. They raise back up. They go on the assault, and it's still not enough. It's still not enough. You ain't ever been where you knew God was doing something. You knew he started fighting for you. You knew he wanted you to win. You knew he worked it out. But all of a sudden, you still don't have enough to do your part. I know God blessed me with this. And I know God helped me with that. And I know God led me down here. But why can't I have enough energy, enough fortitude to at least do my part? Why can't I do my part well? It's getting dark. The season almost over. The day is almost over. And I just wanted to do my part well. He did his part. So Joshua looks at the sun. And he realizes, I ain't going to lose this because I want to lose it. I've got passion to win this. No, God done came for me on this. He fighting for me. I've got passion to win this. I want to win this. It's just the circumstances outside of me is causing me not to win. Y'all don't understand. It's like I know God wants me to win. I know I want to win. And I would die fighting this. But it seemed like the day is coming to an end. It seemed like the window is closing. It seemed like the door is shutting. It seems like it's getting shorter and shorter. And I'm not done yet. If you could just give me a little bit more time, God. If you could just give me a little bit more time. So Joshua commands the sun to stand still. And it says, never, ever has it ever happened, or will it ever happen again? So the faith movers, y'all are out, where we can declare something. <laughs> that word of faith, y'all out, okay? Okay, that theology, where God listens to a man. He said, it happened that one time, only that one time. And it won't happen again where God listens to a man. He said, son, you need to stand still. God said, stand still. Let my baby fight. Hold up the day. Let him fight. Hold it up. Let my baby slay their enemies. Hold it up. Let my babies take the head off their giants. Hold up. Let my babies win. Hold up. Let them show it. Hold up. Let them fight. Hold up. Let them have victory. Hold up. I'm going to hold this day because you want what I want. You want what I want. You see that I want it. And now you was willing to do everything you can, even if it means talking to the sun. You know how crazy? You better stop, son. Listen, you know how crazy that is? Let me show you how crazy it is. All week it was supposed to rain from 10 a.m. To, to, the, to the p.m. Hello, somebody. At night, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, 
Now, we got some rain provisions, but it's really going to put a damper on it if you rain. You rained us out before we had no problems. But this particular Resurrection Sunday, I think that you really don't want it to rain. I think, and Lord, if you could just move the rain from 10 a.m. and push it back to 5 p.m., I think that would give us enough time to eat and clean and get out. When I woke up this morning, it said rain after four. I said, you better hold it up. You better hold it up. You better hold it up. Now, we have been rained out before, but this time was different because I felt in my spirit that God didn't want to rain us out. Rain better still hold it up. <laughs> hold it up, Jesus. I'm preaching on this. Don't, <laughs> don't you let us down now. <laughs> my toes wiggling out of anxiety. Oh, hold it up. <laughs> you think it's crazy. You've got to be crazy to feel that you could command something. Hello, somebody. That big, that above you, that's exactly what Joshua did. Him and God was like this. You could see this commander of the Lord's army, this Jesus, walking, liked fighting with Joshua. It was like when they was training, Jesus was coming down, they in the army. One, two, one, two, one, two. And Jesus was like, yeah, this is about to be good. They're about to be a good fight. Him and Joshua were close. When it came to fight, he understood and liked the fact that Joshua wanted whatever he wanted, wanted to fight for him. So when Joshua says, can you just hold the sun up for a second, please, so we can finish this off? You can see God like, you ain't said nothing about the word. Hold that sun up. You better, you better, you better fight. What passion and what love that God would join you on your fight that you are desiring something that God wants too. Come on, y'all don't want to play. He, he wants to be the peace in your life also. Y'all don't want to play fair today. He wants you to be in peace also. You ain't fighting for your peace by yourself. You ain't fighting for your right mind by yourself. You ain't fighting for a better home by yourself. You ain't fighting for a safe family by yourself. You ain't fighting for a better body by yourself. You're not fighting alone. He wants the same thing. He wants to be the king of the city of peace. Hello? He wants to be that. Let's skip on down, last verse. Because the Lord fought for Israel that day. Joshua said, I want what you want. This is going to be your day, Lord. We're going to destroy your enemies on your day. Ain't none of them going to survive. And God held the sun for another 24 hours. <laughs> Can you imagine fighting for a whole day and then fighting another day? But when it's what you really want, you go through some extreme measures, don't you? Oh, no, I want my God to get this victory. You're going to get the victory today. You're going to get it. I'm tired, but it's all right. You're going to get the victory today. You're going to win. It's your day, Lord. God loved that. He loved it so much that when Christ had to be born, he patterned his death, burial, and resurrection after this fight. Y'all don't even, I'm going to show it to you because y'all been in church all your life and y'all don't even see it. 
Let's read. Verse 16. Where is it? People try to read ahead. Where is it? Where is it? Verse 16. You ready? So Jesus was the commander, right? He was fighting with him. Then when he's actually born, he patterns his death, burial, and resurrection after this. Watch. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave of Makeda. So the five kings, including the king of Jerusalem, went and hid themselves in a cave. Right? So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. Ho, ho, ho. Y'all don't know the resurrection story? When Jesus was died on the cross, they buried him in a cave and they rolled a large stone in front of Y'all don't want to play fair today. When the commander was fighting with his best friend on the earth and they was taking names and taking nations, he said, I want my death to remember and to look like how I felt the day Joshua killed the king of the city of Jerusalem. Watch, watch. We ain't even done. Watch. Watch, 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 watch. He says, so roll a large stone in front of the caves of these kings. And put somebody to guard it, and y'all go and keep fighting. Hello, somebody. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. That means go get them. Now, they ran out. You come from behind. Yak, yak. All right. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hands. It's time to keep fighting. Hold that sun up. Where the kings at? Where they leaders? Oh, they ran and hid themselves. Oh, did the city, did the king of the city of peace run and hide in a cave like a coward? Cover it up. Seal them in. And go take out their people. Now, a real commander and king knows I fight with my people. We fight together. We go through together. Call hello, Renewites. We go through together. We go through hard times together. Your pastor ain't back here just chilling. No, 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 no. She fight with you. She go to battle with you. You go to battle with me. We fight together. Hello. Mm-hmm. Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them uh, with a very great slaughter. All right. Till they had finished that those who escaped entered fortified cities. They couldn't go back home. They had to go somewhere. They chased them. And all the people returned where? To camp. To Joshua and Makeda, what? In peace. Do you see this, MP? The whole fight was so that you could have peace. Come on, king of the city of peace. Where you at now? Hiding in a cave like a little punk. Hello, somebody. Meanwhile, the children of God. Chilling, kick back at camp at peace. Hello, somebody. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. In essence, when they saw this, ain't nobody, everybody was like, Israel, you ain't gonna say nothing about, can't say nothing about Israel now. You can't say nothing about the people of God now. Now, you know, I don't know. You got your belief, I got my belief, but you can't say nothing about them Israelites. You got your nation, you better leave them alone, okay? They, they, them children, wow. (laughs) They, wow. Hello, somebody. They were fighting for peace. They were fighting for the family of God. And there are times when you are fighting for something that you know God wants in your life. A happy home, healthy children. Hello, somebody. Save family members. That you're going to have to be wild and crazy for what you want. Hello, son. You, see, y'all don't, I, me, me and my cousin, we disagree about the Will Smith slap, okay? She feel like you should never slap somebody. I feel like sometimes, no, I can't do it. But sometimes people that run their mouth 
don't contemplate, the other people don't talk, they just do. And these two people could come at odds. But I think that there is a place and time for aggression. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You try to suppress all of your aggression because it's not nice. People don't appreciate it. You need to speak nicely, softly to me. You need to, but don't nothing get you around. You better shut your mouth and sit up. Now, you may be mad that I did it, but what I did was effective. Oh, y'all don't want to play fair today. You may not like what I did, but what I did worked. It got you to sit up. It got you to look up. It got you to straighten up. You shut up for a second. Look, you can't talk whatever. It got you a little shook. Hello, somebody. You may not like it, but it was effective. I'm sure the Amorites did not like being chased. Hello, somebody. But it was effective. That's what it is. Hello, somebody. So I feel like sometimes aggression is needed. You do too, you just don't want to admit it. Because it means people won't like you. Hello, somebody. But all, all y'all like a good leader. A captain that'll go to war. Somebody that'll fight. Somebody that'll stand up for you. Don't nobody want no punk leader. I don't know. Whatever you think we should do, let's just everybody. Your leadership stink. Take charge. If you believe it, act like you believe it. If you're going to win, act like you're going to win. If you're a survivor, act like you survive. If you can fight, act like you can fight. Come on. <laughs> we didn't come to Christ in order to be weak. We came to be meek. That's power controlled. Waiting for the time when he tells us to be aggressive. Some of y'all getting in trouble because there is an avenue for your aggression, but you don't use it. This place is a place for your aggression. It is. You can't use it at work. You can barely use it in your family without, I got trauma. Oh. <laughs> right? Can't use it in the, here. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Better let it out. Glory be to God. Shout y'all the bow. I shot y'all the bow. You better let that out, baby. Let that aggression out. Just go after that devil. He ain't nobody but dirty no way. Go after him. You better get that devil. Get him. There's a place for it. For all of that that you try to suppress. There's a place for it. All the passions, the real yearnings you have for peace. Those angry hot tears when stuff don't go right. And you just want, you know the angry ones be hot. They like burning your face. Like, why are they so hot? Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> so mad, my tears is hot. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. So the king of Jerusalem, they went back to camp and had peace at camp. Right? Then all the people returned to camp. No one said a word against the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, look at this, open the mouth of the cave. And bring out the five kings from the cave. Since we done did that, we took a break. Now let's come back. Let's deal with you. Uh, them kings, come out. Here they come. They actually come out. Hello, somebody. Hello, y'all. Y'all don't want to. See, when our king went fighting for his people to be the true king of peace, he was put in a cave. But when the king of the world told him to come out, he was not there. You don't know. Y'all don't want to play fair today. I don't know, but when Jesus was put behind a rolling stone and they rolled it back, he was not. That means you did not keep him. You did not win. You didn't win. If you won, our king would be there, but he wasn't. 
Akin was not behind that stone. Why wasn't he? Well, let's read on. In Joshua, since Jesus decided to pattern his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension after his most favorite warfare, let's see what happened next. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of who? That Joshua called for all the men of Israel, fellas, and said to the captain of the men of war who went with him, fellas that fought with me, come here. Put your foot on the necks of these kings. You want to talk about a footstool? Come on, fellas. All my military, all my people that fought for me to be the true king of peace. Come on. Let's put our foot on the necks. Come on. And I will make your enemies. I will make your enemies. I will make your enemies your footstool. Standing all over the house. Come on. Standing all over the house. Standing all over the house. Hallelujah. You better do right. You better fight right. You better run this race well because you don't want to get to the end according to scripture and get disqualified. This, this race got rules. And just because you're able to do it now don't mean it won't be judged against you later. You done went through all this cheating. Went through all this having sex on the side. Went through all this pain smoking a little, drinking a little. Doing a little dirt. Hello, somebody. But I still believe in Jesus. You keep living like that, you're going to get disqualified at the end. Paul told Timothy, son, you run this race well and obey the rules of the race. Because you don't know. You think you're just moving along just fine until you get disqualified. Joshua fought for the father. He fought. He was raised to fight. He knew what God wanted, and that was his single most desire. I want to do what you want. I want to live for what you want. And he had a place to be aggressive. He had a place to be full of faith and tell the son, this is my Lord's day. Don't you move. And God saw that passion in his eye because he wanted the same thing God wanted for him. You want the same thing God wants for your family? You want the same thing God wants for your life? The same thing you want on the inside? In terms of your heart, your mind, and your emotions, God wants the same thing for you. Come on, the altar is open. If anybody needs prayer, come on. We can, I'm not, you just come on to the altar, find a space. If you want to kneel over there, you want to go over there, find a space, make a space here, make a space over there, make a space anywhere you want. If you don't want to come up front, make a space right at your chair. <laughs> Hallelujah. Joshua fought a good fight. Y'all got it? Got you. Got your lawn. You know, a spiritual person would say that that's, that's God's alarm going off on you right there. So He's telling you better get it right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stay in here, son. She fine. She going to turn it off and come back. You know, I can stay in here. Come on, the altar is open. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If somebody needed an alarm, there you go. If somebody needed a sign, there you go. If somebody needed a reason to move expeditiously in the house of God, there it is. What a wonderful sign. I don't know who was praying for that. I don't know who was asking God for a word, but it came just for you. It came just for you. Father, I've been living for myself 
and I want to start living for you. This, this version of you that the pastor preached today, it, it resonated with me in such a way that I want to start turning more. To, I don't know how far I'm going to go, but I want to start moving in that direction. Come on, the altar is open. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, let me bring it down just a smidge. Hallelujah. Come on, a little bit more. Hallelujah. Father, here is my heart. Here is my mind. Here is my soul. There's so much of you that I desire to understand, to know. But first and foremost, forgive me. Forgive me for not fighting valiantly. Forgive me for shrinking back. Forgiving me, forgive me for being weary and tired. I want to start walking with you in such a way that I'm going to lay down some weights. Come on in the name of Jesus. I've gotten tired because I'm carrying stuff that you wouldn't even want me to have to carry in the name of Jesus. And I want to stop carrying it. Hallelujah. 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 Come on in the name of Jesus. Come on, lay it down right at his feet. Come on, if you're at the altar, can you motion that you're going to lay it right here at the altar? If you're in your seat and you don't want to come up, just motion that you're going to lay it right here, God. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to start trusting you. I'm going to start leaning on you. I, I don't know what you want from me, but I, I want to start trying to figure it out in the name of Jesus. You are fighting for my peace, and I can't thank you enough. You're fighting for the peace in my mind, the peace in my love life, the peace in my family, the peace in my heart. You're fighting for my peace. The peace in, of mine and the conflicts that I go through, you're fighting for that. So I say to you, today is your day. Come on in the name of Jesus. Today is your day, Lord. Today is your day. Hold up what you've got going on. Keep it at bay and let me fight with you. Come on, who is declaring that? Let me fight with you. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. God, bless everyone that's at the altar. Bless those that made an altar right at their seat. Keep us, Lord God. We thank you for new beginnings in the name of Jesus. We thank you for new beginnings, a fresh start. Hallelujah to reconnect with you, a closeness, God, that we are desperate for. We thank you for truth and revelation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Come on, everybody, thank God for these that have offered prayers unto the Father. Hallelujah. If you feel God has heard you, you can go back to your seats. Glory be to God.